Thank you. All glory and honor goes to God, and I'm thankful that he uses man. Hi, Jesse and Leisha. I don't know why they put all these tissues up here. <laughs> I just briefly wanted to introduce the team to you. Um, down here we have Benai Achievers. You guys know Benai. Been coming to Heart of the City Church just about as long as Debbie and I have. Emily Burke, who was probably born here. Anyway, we're super excited to have them uh, go with us, so thanks, you guys. And, Jay, if we could borrow that microphone. Debbie wanted to say something briefly. Okay. You might want to leave those here. <laughs> um, I just, it's so important for me that you guys all know that the hardest part of this is leaving our beautiful girls and you. You are our family. And even though we don't personally know each and every one of you intimately in depth of relationship, we, you are so in our hearts. And it's important for me to, to express that to you, how deeply loved you are. And just because we're going to be 3,000 miles away doesn't mean <laughs> that we're going to forget about you. You will always be right here. And something else I did want to say is that um, your father loves you so much. And I, I just really want you all to know that each and every one of you, God knew you <laughs> when you were being formed in the womb. And before you were even born, he placed dreams, callings, purposes, and gifts inside of your heart. And I speak out of personal experience. Those dreams are real. Don't, don't um, disqualify yourself because of your past or your age. God put in my heart a crazy passion for reaching the lost when I was a child. It may have taken me till I was 50 to get out there and do it, but I'm going to do it. And each and every one of you has something special. You're a special part of this body of Christ. Don't disqualify yourself for any reason. So I married my daughter off last night, my older one, so God is amazing, and um, I'm, I'm just so thankful. I, I have to, uh, first off, thank you all for um, welcoming us into your hearts, into your lives, um, giving us access, and um, there are so many people in here that, that we love so dearly. I, I would take all of the, my time preaching to acknowledge each and every one of you if I could. Um, but there, there's two people that we specifically want to um, 
I specifically want to thank, and that's Jay Owen Reedy. And just prepare yourselves, because it's going to be like this tonight. So, yeah. But I prayed it earlier in the prayer room. Heart of the City Church, you guys, we don't often know what we have. You don't know the richness of what you have here. And if you, haven't, if you haven't realized that yet, if you're still just attending church, I want to let you know God wants to open the world up to you. And there is such strength, there is such love, there's grace, there's acceptance. When we have signs outside that say you are welcome here, it's not a slogan. It is what we absolutely believe. So, Pastors J.O. and Radine, from the bottom of our hearts... Thank you, guys. We know that God put you guys in our lives for a reason, and it is amazing to see what he has done. And what I am so excited about is God is making room for somebody else in the body to rise up and grow. You know what? God is always making places for people that are willing to step out of the boat. So thank you very much. God bless you. We love you. Put on my readers. So, um, obviously, you, you saw my lovely wife, Debbie, 25 plus years. Um, yeah, seriously. No, I mean, no, seriously. Come on, clap. Thank you. Um, I mentioned Becca got married last night. Uh, they'll be here tomorrow. Um, Tori, would you please stand? This is, this is my other daughter. You might have seen her up here worshiping tonight. She's an amazing woman of God, uh, a servant in the house, and uh, God's going to do great things in her as well. Uh, we're not leaving her uh, empty-handed. Uh, there are so many moms and dads in this house um, that are going to absolutely step in and, and take care of our family. So we thank you for that. We know we're leaving them in good hands. Um, so... My sermon is titled, Second Chances, um, <laughs> but the reality is, is that the, the chances that God has given each one of us, me especially, um, so much more than just two. Um, I had the privilege of growing up in a spirit-filled home, um, though we didn't go to church. Uh, we were part of a weekly Bible fellowship. Um, my dad was actually our pastor growing up, um, so Jamie... I feel your pain, I know, it was a PK. But seriously, seriously, yeah. Um, but this, growing up in this environment served as uh, the grounding and foundation of my faith. Um, I'm so thankful to God for that. Um, I, oftentimes we can take for granted what God has blessed us with and what God has done. Um, and, and there's a point in your life where it, it, it goes from being your parents' faith to being your faith. It's kind of, you know, you, you, you grow up in, a, in a, a conservative home and chances are you're going to be conservative. If you grow up in a liberal home, chances are you're going to be a liberal. And chances are when you grow up in a Christian home, you're going to be a Christian. But there's a point where we have to own it. We have to own it. We got we to gotta stop walking in somebody's shadow or, or riding on somebody's coattails. Um, but this is, this is kind of my, my background. Um, I was... This is going to sound corny, but I was a virgin when I got married. Um, I never, I never, uh, she was worth the wait. 
She was worth the wait. Um, never did drugs, you know, never got into trouble. And I remember there was a point in time where I was like, man, I really wish I had a cooler testimony. I mean, like, I wish God would like, you know, God brought me back from the brink of destruction from drugs and alcohol and rock and roll. And, you know, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I actually said that out loud one time. I'm kind of embarrassed about that now. But, um, and I, I, somebody just spoke truth to me at that moment. And they go, look at the testimony of God's grace. Look at the testimony of what God spared you from. And that was for a reason. So I want to absolutely agree with Debbie that every single person in this room If you've had a perfect life, you have a testimony to God's goodness and his grace over you, and you have something to share. I don't know why we feel like we had to live like hell in order to have an effective testimony. Every single person in this room has a testimony. Are you willing to share? Are you willing? See, here's the problem. I'll tell you what my problem was. was My problem was that... I didn't think I had a testimony to share because I was living out my own righteousness. Oh, I know. Mm, I know, that's right. I know, I know. I was the self-righteous brother in the prodigal son story. Yeah. Here, here, Luke 15. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Is that up on the screen? Yeah, okay. Um, So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, I I can imagine the servants like, well, your brother's come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. And so, therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgress your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to his son, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You know, in reading that story before, I never saw the other brother as a sinner. I didn't see him, I didn't identify him as a sinner. He'd done all the right things. That was me. When I read this story, all I could do was compare the prodigal to my brothers and sisters in real life. And I'm sitting here. I'm the one that's always been here. I'm the one that has, I haven't gone out and done all of this stuff. Where's mine? But I didn't have the right understanding about this story. Because much like this other brother, I thought that I could earn my righteousness. I used to think that it it really was all about me. You can hear that tone as he's declaring, I did this, I did that. The larger part of my Christian life was actually kind of based on that wrong thinking. Thankfully now when I read the parable though, I understand that I was just as in need of a savior 
as was the prodigal. Because of this kind of thinking, um, I grew up very judgmental of people. Everything was very black and white for me. You know, it wasn't until I came to Heart of the City Church that I really understood that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Because I kind of grew up under this, 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 this misconception We were like cheerleader Christians where it was like, I can do all things through Christ and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if things went wrong, we always blamed the devil. Oh, it's an attack. He's attacking us. He's attacking. You guys, I know it sounds silly, but this is what I grew up under. And we never understood this principle of healthy brokenness. I remember we were attending here. We'd probably been coming here for about a year. And, and Kareen Van Ostrand, um, one of our, our, our young adult leaders at the time, I remember hearing that she was going to, to teach at the young adults on healthy brokenness. And I just remember going, what is healthy brokenness? There's nothing healthy about brokenness. Because if it's not, I can do all things through Christ, and man, I'm not believing enough. I don't have enough faith. I need to do something. So I went. I snuck in on Thursday night, (laughs) went in the back, and I gained understanding about how that it's through our weakness that he is strong. See, my whole life, I depended upon my knowledge, my ability to control the lusts of the flesh, my ability to to create my own righteousness, effectively shutting out Jesus' righteousness. You can't have both. There's only room for one. I went through life acknowledging Jesus as my Savior, but rarely as my Lord. I thought that my knowledge of the word was enough. I mean, I was, I was a good guy. I was loving. I was giving. I mean, I, I was that guy. If Buddy needed help, I was over there helping. And, and you know, and that's who, that, I, I didn't do those things to, to, that's just who God created me to be. But I never, I never stopped long enough to really understand how desperately I was in need of Jesus. How desperately I needed the heart of the Father. I felt like I had captured the mind of God because I I knew a bunch of King James. Can I give a shout out for King James, anybody? I had all this scripture memorized and I knew how it fit together. I had all of this knowledge, but I lacked the Father's heart. And so it left me cold and judgmental and self-righteous. There's a, script, there's a scripture that perfectly describes who I was. 2 Timothy 3.5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people, turn away. This was Paul's charge to Timothy. From such people, turn away. People, I think that there's probably some of us in here tonight that we're caught in that spot right in between really understanding what God has for us and feeling like we can do it on our own. 
We come here every week. We check something off our box. That's not, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. I want to share with you a little bit with all of that as a preface about my life. Like I said, growing up, I have four minutes and fifth J.O. This struggle is real. This struggle is real, bro. Okay. I get extra time? Thank you. I'm leaving. I'll take as much time as I want. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My dad, like I said, growing up, my dad was my pastor. Um, he, he was a wonderful man of God and he did the best that he could. Uh, he was a lot like Old Testament prophets. So there was a lot of, of healthy fire and brimstone. Um, he meant well, but he was very short on grace. And so it was really hard kind of growing up underneath that shadow. Um, and this is something that, that I realized at some point in time was that, uh, I, don't, I don't even want, my dad passed away eight years ago. And at that time, I took over the, the Bible fellowship. It wasn't until years later, I think it was actually maybe like a year or two ago, the revelation came to me. I couldn't become who I needed to become as long as I was living in the shadow of my dad's ministry. I had to break free, completely break free, because there was so much unhealthiness. You know, there are unhealthy Christians, and there are weird Christians who have wrong doctrine. You need to keep coming here because you're getting sound doctrine at heart of the city church. If you come here and you don't understand something, don't walk out the doors because you don't like the way it fits. You ask somebody to help you. You search out the scriptures daily to see if the things that are being taught here are so. That's what they did in the book of Acts. You don't just walk out and go to another church and another church because you've got itching ears. You stick it out. You put down roots here at Heart of the City Church. And God will change your life. Heart of the City Church isn't especially unique. Debbie and I, we're not really special. We just simply believe that the word of God is truth and Heart of the City Church puts it out there for people. I want every church around the world to speak sound doctrine, truth. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you learn error, it creates bondage. Yes. I was in bondage to this wrong knowledge, this wrong way of thinking. I was captive. And the problem is, is I didn't know that I was. And so I, would, I was gunslinging truth with no grace, <laughs> no understanding of the potential damage that I was causing. Like I say, we grew up in a home Bible fellowship. Um, it wasn't church. We actually thought people that went to church were religious people. Um, I don't know. Whoa, yeah. 
We did. I can tell you, before coming to Heart of the City Church, I'd probably attended a church service five times in a church building. We did church in the home, and man, we thought we were the stuff. Because, you know, you read in Acts, well, we conveniently cut out the temple part and house to house, so we were, we were doing this. <laughs> that, that's true. And the problem is, is that there's, there, it, it was isolated. You know what happens when, when you create a small little community and there's no blood, no life going on? You, hey, who said that? <laughs> gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> when my dad passed away, I took over the Bible Fellowship. And I, um, I, every week, uh, we, we, I, I taught and um, God was always faithful. He showed up every week and told me, this is what I want you to preach. But after about two years or so, it, it started to feel religious. Like, like people were coming and, and checking off their box, going home, and, and like there was nothing in between Wednesday and Wednesday. And so I went to God and I said, God, I don't want to be a part of this religion. I don't want to be somebody that's facilitating this and so God said, well, shut it down. Can I, can I do that? He said, absolutely. So I, I told people the next week, I said, you know what? It's time to walk out what we've been talking about. It's time for you to make it happen. And for a while, I was able to, you know, kind of maintain my own walk. And, and you know, I was getting in the word and praying. And, and I actually had a, like an anonymous Facebook thing where I would put scriptures and, and I did all these things. And, and for a while, it's good. But you can only tread water for so long until you start to, to drown. And what happened was because I was not in community, I started to get lazy, complacent. I got to the point where I did enough to feel like I was doing okay. I was deluding myself. I'd pray occasionally. I'd crack over my dust-covered Bible, and I thought I was okay. I had become spiritually slumbered. Until it was October of 2011. Um, Cody and Jill, are you guys here? No? Cody and Jill, right? Longtime friends of ours. Uh, we were hanging out over at their house. Uh, it was early in, in 2011. And Cody says, hey, Don, I want you to read this book. I think you might like it. This is on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's a big book. <laughs> and the print's small, and there aren't really that many pictures. So it's a lot of reading. And I love to read, but I, I make a movie. Does anybody else do that? When you read, you make a movie, and they say, don't do that. But I do that. I create the scene in my mind, and so I'm a really slow reader. So it took me nine months. It was October of 2011 before I finally picked up this book. Apparently, I, I felt like God was just like, it, it, it's time. It's time. I read this book, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, was a, a German preacher between World War, II, World War I and World War II. Um, he defied the Nazi regime and continued to preach Christ, secretly 
publicly, openly, to the point where he was actually executed for it. I remember God asking me, Don, this man was willing to die for me. What are you willing to do? I I can't even tell you the weight of the conviction I experienced in that moment. I was at a loss for words. God was stripping away my self-righteousness. He was stripping away the lies that I had fed myself to feel like I was doing okay. Do you understand God never wants okay for us? If I ask somebody how they're doing today and they say, okay, I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. What's going on? As as kids, as children of God, with, with a savior who died for us, with the love of a heavenly father, I don't care what we're going through, and I don't, I don't want you to be fake, but man, if okay is all that you can eke out, man, we need to pray for you. Let's pray. Let's sit down and let's talk, and let's pray about what's going on in your life, because God wants so much more for us than okay. And it was time for me. It was time for us. And I got to tell you, Debbie has always been the woman that has stood in the gap for me. Ladies, if you're, if you're, if you're not praying for your husband because you're so busy telling them what they're doing wrong and how they should be doing things differently and I wish you would and why don't you, if you're not praying for them, you want to see a change in your man? Stop nagging and start praying. Amen. Debbie has prayed, she has stood in the gap for our family. When I, was, when I was spiritually asleep, Debbie was covering our family spiritually. Don't Men, do not discount what God does through your wives for you. Yeah. Debbie has carried us more times than I can say. So... During this time, the Holy Spirit gave me this, this, this image of, of a big whiteboard. And he said, Don, you've mapped your whole life out. And your whole life, you've been dragging me along behind you in your plans. He takes a big eraser. And he says, now it's your turn to follow me. Talk about a two-by-four truth right upside the head. I didn't realize that that's what I'd been doing. I thought if I included God, almost like an asterisk, in my plans, then I was, I was doing this, this Christian thing. God's so much more than an asterisk that we add to the end of a sentence. Um, I wasn't sure where God was taking me. He, he, what God did was he took me two months, and he was just uprooting wrong thinking. He was undoing things that I had believed about myself, uh, what I had allowed to happen to me. And he, he came along and he said, you know what, Don? The Old Testament prophets didn't have a life plan. They, they didn't have a five-year plan or, or, or a one-year plan. They listened to me every day. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great. It's great to have a plan. 
But if you create the plan so stringently that you don't allow flexibility for the Holy Spirit to move, that's exactly what you'll get. That is exactly what you'll get. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your plans. Allow him to guide you. God likes to change our plans. He really does. Chances are our plans are ours for, and, and not his anyway. That's something that we have found God has completely changed. I'm going really long. It was during this time that the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go on a missions trip. If I don't say that, you don't know because you're not actually looking at the clock. So I'm just going to stop saying it. It's like 6.30 or something, you guys. We're fine. We're, we're good. <laughs> he said, I want you to go on a missions trip. Problem is, is I created this little bubble of a world that I lived in, and I was really comfortable there. I really enjoy sitting on my couch watching my Denver Broncos beating all your teams. Uh, but he said, I want you to go on a missions trip. He was expanding our vision beyond this little, this little life we had created. I shared this with Debbie. And Debbie goes, Don, I remember God showing me before we were ever married visions of you and I on the mission field serving in a foreign country. God revived something inside of her. And it was confirmation. So we contacted a friend of ours. I mean, again, we weren't but somebody called us, we, we, we were homeschooled um, church. Uh, so we didn't have any, like, you know, we couldn't go to a missions team and say, hey, tell me about all of the missions you guys do. But we had a friend in Honduras. She was somebody I worked with at State Farm. Uh, she worked with uh, public orphanages. And we, I, it, was, it was November, and I go, Joy, we're going on a missions trip. Great, when are you coming down? Oh, gosh, it's probably going to be like January or February. I mean, God spoke to me, and I know, I know that this thing is happening. So I absolutely uh, envisioned God just making way for us. Point number one. <laughs> what? <laughs> J.L., I'm going to have to do something about 909. I don't know. Barrett and Crystal, this is all your fault. This is all about Malia. God often will start with a dream, vision, or plan. I want you guys to listen to these points. I wasn't going to do points. God says you're going to do points. There's a reason. I want you guys to listen because this is often what it looks like when God awakens something and he starts something in your life. One of the reasons I so love and identify with the story of Joseph is, is that as a young boy, God gave him a dream and a vision. It starts there. I don't care if it was, if it was our kids back here in kids' church. Man, seeds are being planted. Dreams and visions are being sown back there. Our kids come out and they're like, wow, you know, I really feel like, I feel like God is calling me to be a preacher. Man, God starts with a dream. I want you, just this week, I want you to think about a time where you felt like you were reading scripture and God spoke to you. Somebody had a prophetic word for you. Or, or you just had some kind of dream or vision or something where God was planting something inside of you and you've allowed it to go dormant. Right? So, I think that the biggest reason um, that, that nothing happens and the dream never leaves, it, leaves the dream phase is because we don't actually make a decision. Point number two, do we believe and trust God? At this moment, Debbie and I both knew that 
I want you to go on a missions trip was more than about one moment. We knew even then that God was preparing us for something much bigger. And so we made a decision at that moment. God, we don't know what this looks like. We don't know what you're going to do, but we're all in. Before we even went on the first trip, we had to decide that we were all in. We went on the mission. Well, okay, so I want to go back because my point number three is delays. I, I knew God was going to roll out the red carpet and cash was going to fall from heaven because God had given me a word. And so two to three months later, we were going to be on the ground in Honduras. Can I tell you that it took 14 months? And I remember asking God, God, you said you wanted us to go on a mission trip. Why did it take so long? And I don't know about you, but God's really frank with me. And he goes, he, God, does God chuckle to you? Because he was like, oh, done. I'm not kidding. He said, you had so much to learn. You know, we often view delays as denials, where in reality, they are preparation periods. If I went down there and I didn't have the right heart and I wasn't prepared, it probably would have scared me and I probably wouldn't have fulfilled. But you know what? I had a year of Heart of the City Church under my belt at that point. I tell you what, during the first time, point number four, I got to keep moving. Divine appointments. God will bring who you need to get you where he needs you to go. December 30th, 2011. I get a phone call at work. Austin Sizemore and I work together. Austin, put your hand up, please. Come on. Austin and I worked at State Farm right across the street. It was a Friday night. It was 4 o'clock. Austin was gone. I took a phone call. This guy goes, yeah, I was working with Austin, but I need to write my auto insurance. Come on down. So... I, we ended up talking for about an hour about all the things you're not supposed to in, in a workplace. So we're God and guns and politics and religion and all of this stuff. Remember, I could talk a really good game and God was awakening me at that point. So this man, his name was Spencer Van Ling. Well, Spencer was up here by himself because Amber and the kids were still down in California selling the house. So I said, hey, I know we just met, but New Year's Eve, tomorrow night is my birthday, and would you, since you're up here by yourself, would you like to come over and just hang out? So he came over, and we hung out for hours just talking about what God was doing in our lives. You see, I needed Spencer because I had all of this head knowledge and none of God's heart, and what God was doing in Spencer's life at the very same time was God had revived his heart but he didn't have any knowledge. And so God made this perfect divine appointment in my life at that moment. And so a week later, he goes, hey, Don, there's this guy named Marco Romero who invited me to go to Heart of the City Church. Marco, are you here tonight? There he is, right over there. Come on. 
He goes, hey, do you want to go to Heart of the City Church? Well, Austin and Lori, I mean, they'd invited me many times, but, you know, I was like, oh, it's church. But God was, <laughs> with everything God was doing, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So the first time I came to Heart of the City Church over on Emma, it was the Sunday of the Sound, January 2012. And, you know, I didn't know how dry and thirsty I was for the Holy Spirit until I was engulfed in his presence. You guys feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here at Heart of the City Church? You may not be able to put your finger on it, but you feel it. You may not know what to call it, but that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I sat there and cried for four hours. I was like, Spencer's got to be thinking, who is this guy that I am now friends with? Um, but God brought Spencer into my life at that moment of time. And Marco, you were a part of that. Come on. I love the thread, the divine thread that God weaves in our life. Dwayne and Misty, the, the Harpers. I mean, every single one of us, there's a thread that runs through our story. I tell Cody Wright, Cody, because of Bonhoeffer, you will always be a part of my testimony story. You guys have to acknowledge the people in your life. We can get so forward thinking that we forget the thread that weaves us all together as the body of Christ. Uh, let's see. So after we have those divine appointments, God will often provide direction. That divine appointment was for this next step, number five. Wisdom and guidance for moving into the fullness of God's dream for us. The first part of gaining direction was by getting plugged into a healthy church body. As soon as the sound was over, J.O. immediately went into a 12-part sermon series called Follow Me. Well, you can imagine that after what God told me, Don, it's now, it's your turn to follow me, my ears perked up pretty big. I knew God was talking to me. Will you hand me that? So... This is the, the follow me shirt. And on the front are all the sermon titles. Well, number four is belong. And if you're a person who likes to be with people, you like to give, you like to serve, and you're a, you're a body of one, it's really hard to fulfill what God was calling me, I was like a, a balloon that was stretched to the limit and something was going to break. But God brought me here. And that sermon spoke so deeply to me. And it's, it's so ironic that, that I went on to teach a class called the Belong class, which is where I got the nickname, Don Belong. But the reality of belonging is so important. I always knew I was meant for something bigger than myself. I always knew, but I didn't know how to get there. So God brought me here. You come to a healthy church where there's healthy teaching of the word of God. I, didn't, I was the guy that when worship started, I was like, oh, that's great that they worship that way. I'm worshiping right inside. J-O, J-O. It was actually at a men's camp about six months into Heart of the City Church that I really encountered the Holy Spirit. And the, free, the chains 
fell off and you couldn't, you couldn't duct tape my hands down after that. Something changes when you encounter the Holy Spirit and chains are broken off of your life. You can't help but lift your hands in praise. I pray, I pray that if you're like I was, where you're white knuckling the seat back in front of you, I pray that you have an encounter to where you can't help but worship and praise a God who laid down his life for you. You know, it was important for Debbie and I, for the the call for us to be a part of a healthy church. We didn't know anything about church culture. We knew about 15 people meeting every week, staring at the same faces, singing the same old hymns. That's what we knew. We needed to be here. We immediately started serving in the First Impressions team. Again, we wanted to so desperately to belong to something that we could tell was godly. I wanted to be a part of that. So we we joined the First Impressions team, the greeting team. I loved it. You want to get to, are you, are you one of those that's like, man, this church is just too big. I don't know anybody. If you want to know people in your church, you get out there at the front door and you say hi to people as they come in. That's how I got to know people. I love that. Welcoming people into the house of God. What a privilege. I, I'd be out there right now if there was anybody walking in. It's a little late. Debbie's like, speed it up. Come on, hurry up, Don. (laughs) Wow. There is such a discipleship culture here. I want to let you know, if you're you're like I was, where you only came to to, a Bible fellowship or church once a week, if you're waiting for God to ask you to do something, you're probably missing the point. And, and from my experience, when God wakes you up, it's usually with a two-by-four of truth. So let me help you out here. I want to encourage you to get connected. Attending church does not make you a healthy believer. People always say, well, I can go in, you can go into a garage and it doesn't make you a car. You can come to church and it doesn't make you a, a Christian. It doesn't make you a disciple. I love J.L. One time you said, God didn't come. He didn't say, go make believers. He said, go make disciples. Are you disciples? Are you being discipled? Are you discipling? There's there's a whole room full of places to get connected out there. Ladies, I want to encourage you to go to ladies' retreat. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard of how God used a ladies' retreat as the turning point in a walk. God released something inside of so many lives at ladies' retreat. You've got husbands. It's like J.O. says, wives, get your feet in your husband's back and get him to men's camp. Men, you do the chores, you do the shopping, you take care of the kids, you make sure she gets to ladies' retreat. Bobby, is it okay if I encourage people to get connected in a city group? Is it okay? Okay, yes, absolutely. I love how God has been leading up everything we've been, the, 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 the heart cry, the study on Psalms, uh, the Bobby and J.O., that, that uh, you know, combo boom, boom, uh, that you guys did a couple weeks ago. Pastor Frank, all of this stuff is leading up to you guys getting connected and walking into the miraculous. Yeah. Again, if you're just doing okay, God has more for you. Yeah. Do you know where you're going? 
Do you know where God is taking you? If you want direction, I say you need to seek him. You need to seek him. You know, God does, I don't know, 90, 95% of his speaking to us through his word. If you're sitting there waiting for a, a verbal prophetic word and you're never in the word of God, you're probably not gonna, you're probably not gonna hear. Man, God speaks to us through his word. Our scripture for, for, for Honduras, our church plant scripture is out of Jeremiah. It says you're going you're gonna to tear down and you're going to plant and you're going to build up. Well, if I wasn't searching for God in the scriptures, he never would have led me to Jeremiah. God speaks to us through his word. With direction must come a desire and diligence. Desire for something without diligence is nothing more than wishful thinking. Man, God, I really wish you would. And God's waiting for us to, to have desire and diligence. God's not going to supernaturally drop some kind of education or experience or skills necessary to fulfill a call. Though he could, do you see that happening in the Bible? It took Paul 14 years from his Jesus encounter on the road to Damascus before he started preaching publicly. David was anointed as a teenager, but it wasn't until 30 when he took, took the kingship. You guys, there, there's, there are periods of time where we have to pursue God and the preparation. This whole time, Debbie and I have been going to missions meetings. We've been learning about Honduras. We've been learning about what church planting looks like. I, I'm not going to, okay, God, I just, it's all about your grace. It's all about your grace. This is nothing about me. It's all about your grace. No, we have a part to play in this. You guys, you need to be diligent and intentional. If you feel like God is calling you into worship, you need to learn what you can about worshiping God, not about music. I love what Pastor Frank said last week. The modern church is pumping out a lot of song leaders, but they're not per pumping out worship leaders. If you, if God's calling you to worship, learn about worshiping God, not about playing an instrument. Anyway, interns. Interns is a fantastic place. You guys, come on, interns. Come on. You guys, when you get to the end of your internship, you'll be a completely different person. You'll be a completely different person. And I think that God will impart into you over this next nine months who, it's, who you're going to be for the rest of your life. This isn't a detour. This was the destination for this season. Yeah. Mm. I do this every time. So, and your snickering is not helping, Bobby. Okay. I thought I had a seventh point. Delivery! Yes, thank you. Delivery, something is birthed and we step into that moment that God has been preparing us for. Crystal, can you imagine being pregnant for like 20 months and never delivering? Although Erin Davis, who recently had her baby, looked, she was like, there has to be a point where there's a delivery. Something is birthed. You know what? Honduras may seem new to you guys. We've been living with this anticipation for five years. We, we've known this has been coming. And so we're now at the point where the push is over and the baby is here. 
something has been birthed. And you know what's beautiful about birth is it's life. There's life. And so it's always been our heart that um, we carry on the DNA of Heart of the City Church. The way Heart of the City has impacted Kootenai County, the lost, the single moms, kids, that is what Heart of the City Church Honduras is going to carry on. It's always been our heart that we would be simply an extension of that and not a completely separate autonomous. We will be autonomous, but our heart is to carry on as children of this house as we go to Honduras. We want the impact that Heart of the City Church has had on our lives and on this community to have the same impact down in Honduras. Those people, it's the murder capital of the world. Everybody, it's the weirdest thing. People seem to know that quirky little fact. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to Honduras? You know it's the murder capital of the world. What? I did not know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, no. <laughs> they are hopeless people. They're hopeless people. They are so used to poverty and desperation and hunger and crime. They need Jesus. And God has called us to bring Jesus to them. One thing God made very clear to me is, Don, I'm not sending you down there as an American. I'm thankful I was born here, but God is sending us there as ambassadors from heaven. Because I'm not going down there to take an American church to a foreign country. I'm going down there to take Jesus to Honduras. Jesus didn't even speak English. You guys know that, right? He wasn't born here in America. And we're taking heaven to Honduras. Heart of the City Church brings heaven to Kootenai County. We are going to continue working with El Refugio, the refuge. It's a Christian orphanage. Two parents, Roher and Maria, lay down their life every day, 32 kids. When we were there last May, they were late meeting us and they came and they apologized over and over. They were at his brother's funeral who had been murdered a couple days prior. And they were apologizing to us because they were late to meet us. These people are amazing. We're gonna continue working with them. We're gonna continue working with death and special needs. God is going to do amazing things through Heart of the City Church, Honduras, not because of us, not because of us. I want you to know that. We just say yes when God says to do something. There's nothing inherently special about us other than that we believe that the God of the universe wants to work in and through us, and it requires obedience and, and, and action. That's what Heart of the City Church Honduras is all about. So, Jail, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I went way over. But uh, I didn't use any tissue. I just wanted to know.